Well, today we are going to look at the love of God and how we are to love one another uh, as the worship team has just kind of led us in that focus this morning. You know, if you were to ask most people, what is the greatest source of joy in their life? I think uh, for many folks, they would probably say relationships. You know, the memories of mom and dad, the closeness of a brother or sister, or the gift of a friendship. I think for most folks, they would say the greatest source of joy in life is relationships. On the other hand, if you were to ask people, what is the greatest source of pain in your life? What do you think the number one answer would be? Probably relationships as well. There's a problem in that relationship where they just feel really lonely. Because there is nothing in the world that matters like relationships, for better or for worse. People have always hungered for love. It's part of the human condition. And when Jesus came, he brought with him a profound understanding of love, a profound ability to give love that was quite unique, that the world hadn't really known before. And so this morning, I want us to be super clear on the kind of love God is, and I want us to think about that and think about how to receive it and how to give it. And this is uh, from the disciple of Jesus named John. He is writing to a little community, and we might think of these words as addressed to us. This comes from 1 John 4, 7 and 12. We read this just moments ago. Dear friends, some translations, dear beloved, let us love one another, for love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Often when folks talk about love, we love objects, people, because they are lovable or they're lovely or they're worthy of our love. I was thinking, you know, we live in northern Wisconsin. Does anybody else love living here? Anybody here love living? Maybe not today because of all the snow. You're kind of down in the dumps a little bit. But this is an awesome place to love. We love the rural life. We love the wildlife. We love nature. We love country living. We love having no stoplights and just stop signs. We love people of great beauty great intelligence. We love great leaders. We love gifted athletes. There is a love that looks for what is beautiful and lovely, expensive, has status, brilliance, love of uh, things that are successful and dazzling. There is a love that seeks value in what is love, but there is a love that creates value. There is a love that creates value in what is loved. Many years ago, uh, there was a, there's a great saint in our church 
who would uh, make our kids uh, gifts from time to time. And her name was Alvira Renman, and she would just annually make our sons for Christmas around the holidays uh, pajamas and hats and kinds of things. She had this wonderful gift of just sewing and needlework and these kinds of things. And uh, right when our sons were born, uh, she made them blankets. And our sons loved their little blinkies. In fact, that's what they called it. It was the blankie. And Blanky came, if they didn't have a great imagination, they didn't come up with some great names for Blanky. It was just Blanky. And Blanky would go wherever our boys would go. And so Blanky would go to bed with them. Blanky would be with them during nap time. When they would go trips in the car, Blanky would come along. When we would go hunting, guess who was in the hunting blind with us? Blanky would come. Blanky did not blend in with real tree camo, but Blanky would be there. Blanky always went along. Blanky went cross country with us on road trips and plane flights. Blanky was always there. Up into the, their senior year, Blanky was with them. Uh, Blanky went to college a couple of months ago. Uh, Blanky has always been, but Blanky is not the same Blanky as Blanky used to be. Blanky has lost it. It's our value. It doesn't really keep them warm anymore. It's faded out. The little teddy bear that was once very vivid has kind of blended, been bleached out a bit and everything. But there's Blanky. Blanky is always with them. Maybe there's things like that in your life. Maybe there's a little doll or a cloth monkey or a crummy old pillow. Maybe an old tractor. Maybe those around you. You know, there's a wonderful writer, Christian thinker, G.K. Chesterton, who once wrote, There is the great lesson of the beauty and the beast, that a thing must be loved before it's lovable. A thing must be loved before it's lovable. And that's our problem, that I must be loved before I'm lovable. In the scriptures that we just read, John, who wrote these words, understood what that was all about. Some of you might know this. John was a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And in the Gospel of John, uh, he has kind of a little nickname. And his nickname was, I'm the one whom Jesus loved. That was his nickname. I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. Now, of course, Jesus loved all of his disciples. Jesus was a master at the art of love, but it took a particular form in John. In fact, a writer, a brilliant scholar, N.T. Wright, talks about this. Most likely, John was the youngest of the disciples. And he lived way longer than any of them. He lived to be an old man when he was writing many of these letters. And in that day, it was kind of different than in our day. In that day, to be young was to lack status. In that day, age carried status with it. And part of what John would have understood is, if he is the youngest disciple, he is the least strategic disciple. He is the least mature disciple. He is the least valued disciple. But yet, John would say, I am not the great missionary. I am not the great theologian. I'm just the one Jesus loved. That's my identity. I don't know why. I sure didn't earn it. 
And then he would go on to write, as the early church would, about this other kind of love, this Jesus kind of love. And it was so striking that they had to find a word for it. And if you've been around churches, you've heard of this word. It's an old Greek word called agape. And it's very fascinating. It's been around for centuries, even before the church. It was a very obscure term, very rarely used in Greek language, quite bland. It just meant to prefer one thing instead of another. But in the New Testament... They seized this word agape, and they filled it with this idea of love of another kind. Of love that doesn't seek what's going to be valued, but creates value. And John wants us to understand about this. So he, he begins here in 1 John 4, starts out, friends are actually beloved Let us love one another. In the NIV, it starts with friends. But if you go back to the earlier translations, it actually begins beloved. And I wish they'd go back to it. Because it actually begins beloved. Those of you who are loved, let us love one another. You take that word beloved. I know it's kind of in the church, it feels kind of like a pious word, cliche word. Have you ever heard the old wedding ceremony, dearly beloved, we are gathered here? Kind of sounds something pastors just say, but you've got to understand this because it's so important. That little word, beloved, changed the world because it had this very important idea that you are loved. That's who you are. And it was the answer to the question that human beings have always asked for a very long time. What is a human being worth? If you ask for different objects, like what is a car's worth? Of course, it always depends on the car. And so you can go to Kelly Blue Book and based on the make, model, condition, you can find out what the worth of a car is. If you want to know about a house, what a house is worth, there's a place online where you want to know... Uh, what the worth of a house is, you can just go to. It's called Zillow. And you can just plug in the address and you find out what your house is is worth. In fact, there is one house that you can plug in the address and it won't give you a worth. It's a house called Mount Vernon. And nobody here could afford to buy it because its worth is not based on its condition or its size, it's based on who it belongs to, who used to live in that house, a guy named George Washington. And it's priceless. And it's priceless because it's his. It has a special kind of worth that's not based on beauty or its utilitarian value. There's a great philosopher, Christian thinker, called Nick Wolsterstorff, and he calls this bestowed worth. This is worth that is not earned. This is worth that is just a gift. John says, there is a God, a supremely good God, and he loves human beings. And God says, you who are loved, you who are the beloved, love one another. You all have bestowed worth. Your worth does not depend on how pretty you are, how young you are, how smart you are, how well-connected you are, what you can drive, what house you live in, what your bankroll looks like. Your worth rests on the fact that you are a child of the King. 
You are the beloved of God. You are the object of his intense affection. You are a citizen of heaven. And you have been named heir of Jesus Christ. And you are an unceasing spiritual being with eternal destiny in God's great universe. And not just that, but wait, there's even more with this offer. When Jesus came, he said, if you want, if you just ask me, I will come and my Father and I will make our home in you. In your body, in your life, we will become the residents inside of you. Our spirit will be in you. Because of that, I am worth more than Mount Vernon. Because someone greater than George Washington calls me home. Someone greater than George Washington calls you home if that's what you want. But you know, it even goes even deeper than that. The good news is God loves you more than you can possibly imagine. But you know, the bad news about us, though, is our sin, our darkness, our propensity to mess things up, your ego, your selfishness, are way worse than you can imagine. And think about going to stand before a just, omniscient, holy, righteous, sinless, perfect God who cares deeply about every human being I've hurt, that I've used, that I've resented, that I've envied. He will know every thought I ever thought, every word I ever spoke, every action I ever engaged in, all of the darkness, all of the twistedness, all of the pettiness, all of the stuff I would have done if I thought I could get away with it. So how in the world am I going to stand before such a great, just God? And here's what amazing John says in verse 10. This is love. Not that we loved God, because there's no surprise we'd love God. God has everything we want. God has beauty. God has wealth. God has gifts. God has goodness. God has life. There is a love that seeks value, but this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Do you want to know what the worth of a human being is? You just look at the cross. At the cross, God's love was demonstrated for us in Jesus Christ, who out of love for every single one of you took upon himself our guilt, our shame, our sin. And on the cross, his body broken, his blood poured out. Out of love for you. Not because you earned it, not because you deserved it, but because you are His, and He loves you. And John now says, this love is available to you. And if you have never received it, you can do that right now. And live in that love and extend that love. And this love changes the world. See, this is the idea that human beings are worthy because they were made by God in his image and loved by God. And that idea changed the world and created the notion of worth, the dignity of what we now call human rights. That was not an idea that was common in the ancient world. That came out of Israel through Jesus Christ. And it has spread all over the place. Places in which there is no 
faith foundation. Every human being is of equal worth. We hold this idea, this truth to be self-evident that all human beings, all men are created equal. That did not come through Aristotle. It did not come through Plato. Genghis Khan did not push that. That came through Jesus Christ alone. That every single human being has worth because we are created in the image of this good God who loves each and every one of us. And we, the church, the community, the called together beloved ones, John tells us in verse 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. He says that because It is so easy for me to just come to church this morning and sing the songs that we have sung and say, I love God and I love the idea of love. But then I have to turn around and look at another human being. Uh, Just real recently, my son needed tires on his truck. And so he asked if I would take his truck into town and, and drop it off and, and have the tires put on his truck. And I had a really busy couple of weeks, but I told him, you know, I'm going to do this because I love my child and I will, I will do this. So I got at the uh, tire shop real early in the morning, about 6.30 in the morning, and uh, the manager was there. They said, if you bring it in real early, we'll try to squeeze it in kind of a thing. So I, I drop it off. The manager says, it's going to be a couple of hours. Uh, so, you know, if you got time to kill or something, I said, you know, well, let's get this done, kind of a thing. So I end up walking around town because I had uh, to wait three hours for the tires to kind of get put on the thing. So I'm walking around town. Uh, so if you see somebody around seven, eight in the morning with a Walmart bag in town of Superior, um, that might be a ministering angel and it might be your pastor, one or the other kind of a deal. So after a couple hours of walking around, I, I walk back to the shop and I walk into the shop and I said, I'm, I'm here to pick up. Uh, my son's truck and the guy behind the desk goes um who's that and I said well you know it's the truck for you know uh Walsh and he goes well we haven't touched it we we haven't had a chance to to get to that at all and everything I said oh well it's been like you know three hours and you know they told me to come back and everything so but if it's not done you know all right um I'll just I'll walk around some more and until we get it done so I go walking out and I'm like I have the Walmart I had this I I walked the Walmart right so I'm walking around with this Walmart and I didn't want to walk around continue to walk around with a Walmart bag so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in the truck and go get coffee or something so I walk over to the truck and I look at the truck and the tires are done everything's done on the truck so I, I walked back into the, the tire shop and I said, hey, um, my truck is, is right there and it's done. The, the tires are on it. It's finished. And, and the guy says, no, no, we, we haven't gotten to it yet. And I said, no, no, my truck, it's right there. That one right there. And the tires are done on it. And he goes, oh, well, that's kind of weird. Let me check on it. And he, he gets up and he goes back into the garage. And then he comes back and he goes, no, no, they haven't got a chance to work on it yet. It's, it's going to be a, a couple hours. And I said, no, no, my, my truck's right there. That truck right there, that's my truck. And the tires are on it. 
And he goes, no, no, no one's, no one's had a chance to work on it. There's an, there's an elderly guy sitting there in the waiting room, too, and he's laughing. And he, and he starts getting involved in this. And he goes, no, 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 his truck's right there. His truck's right there. It's done. And the, and the guy goes, well, let me go check on it. So he goes back into the garage. He comes back with a clipboard, with a clipboard this time, and goes, no, it hasn't been done yet. Nobody signed off on it. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And the guy before, the, in the visitor, the, the old guy goes, no, 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 no. The car, truck's right there. And we're both saying it at the same time now. The truck's right there and it's done. It's done. And the guy goes, well, you know, let me check with, there's one other guy in the back. Maybe he worked on it. And then he goes back in the garage again. And we're both sitting here like, and the, the, the old guy goes, Get your keys and leave. <laughs> They'll never know. <laughs> and the guy, comes, the guy comes out. He goes, we don't know. The manager this morning must have done it before all of us got here. And I'm like, I know. It's right there. It's done. All right? And I was kind of like just, you know, the anger was getting And I'm like, dude, you have... You have got to work with me because I've got to get back and write a message on loving people. <laughs> this is taking up so much of my time, all right? You know, it's so easy to just to say and sing, love God, love people. But then you actually have to do it. And you know, everybody you look at is somebody that God wants you to love. Every single person. God is saying, here's a person, here's a person, here's a person. There's somebody who God wants you to love. There's, there's a coworker, somebody in your neighborhood, somebody right here in this church, somebody in your family. God is saying, you are loved. Love them. Life is all about love. What makes a church great is not that it has really impressive programs and buildings and numbers. It's just love. It's just love. What makes a life great, oddly enough, it's not how beautiful you are, how wealthy or successful it's lived. It's just love. Love is just not a sentiment. It's just not pleasing somebody. It is to will their good as God intends their good. That's why John says earlier in his letter in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, Dear children, let us not love with just words or speech, but with actions and truth. So let's just get real about love in our real lives. You know, there is a love of another kind. God is love. God gave his son to die on a cross. God loves you so much more than you'll ever know. But there is a love that creates value. You are the beloved. So loved ones, love one another. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for your love. God, we, we realize that we, we cannot earn it. We have not done anything to deserve it. But you have created us in your image 
made us to, to receive love and to extend love. And you have loved each and every one of us in an amazing ways. And now, Lord, you, you ask us to not just receive your love, but to extend it. Lord, I know there, there are people in this room here as we sit, that, that there might be somebody that comes to mind, that somebody who just makes it difficult to love. And Lord, there's, there's no secrets. There's no cool plans other than love them. Just love them. Just as you have loved us, may we love those around us. Because we first must be loved to be lovable. So God, help us to live in that love and to extend it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.